Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Circle, wrist shot, score! Patrick Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Natea Jay was up across the 40. He swings it to the 45, the 50. Down the sidelines he goes. Natea Jay, he's got all sorts of daylight inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimos! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Oh, the wait is almost over. The games will count in the standings starting Wednesday. Your Edmonton Oilers will host the Vancouver Canucks in their season opener. It'll be on 6.30, Chet, of course, 6 o'clock face-off show, and the game will start at 8. And a lot of Oilers news to get to today as they pare down their roster for that season opener against the Canucks. Now, they actually have to have the official uh, 23-man roster tomorrow. We expect Ken Holland will address uh, the final roster and some of the decisions leading up to that tomorrow. But uh, there were some moves made today. Defenseman William Lagason assigned to the Bakersfield Condors and two other players placed on waivers. One of them defenseman Brandon Manning. Not a huge uh, not a huge surprise here though he did practice with the Oilers today depending on the health of Joel Pearson. Shoulder problem for him. He's still not practicing. Manning could be around on opening day and as we've been discussing he could make the team as a healthy scratch. A player that they're they probably wouldn't use a lot, probably don't want to use a lot in NHL games, but they don't want in the minors taking ice time away from younger players. So he he practiced today. He still may be here uh, if and when he clears waivers. The other player waived, and I was a little bit surprised to see this, was Sam Gagne. Sam Gagne, a previous relationship with Dave Tippett. Tippett coached him one year in Arizona. Gagne actually had a pretty effective uh, year that year. When asked about Gagne on Saturday night, Tippett said, well, look, I I know what he can do. He kind of made it sound like he wasn't going to put too much into the preseason in evaluating Gagne because he already knows what type of player he is. Well, but maybe knowing what type of player he is worked against Gagne in this situation because the Oilers do indeed decide to put him on waiver. Sam's, you know, he's he's, a, he's first and foremost a good person. Like he's he's a smart hockey guy. We're just these these players we're talking about here: Nygaard, um, Yurko, uh, Haas. Not so much because Haas is a centerman. Have just have kind of pushed the pace for us and we're, Sam was caught in a situation where we want to have elite penalty killers at the bottom end of our lineup. We want to have people that are, they have a job to kill penalties and be sound down there. Sam doesn't fit in that. Sam fits more in a top six or a complementary role and we put some of those younger, quicker legs in those spots. 
So Sam was in that bubble of players here, and I still think Sam will probably play games for us this year, you know, if he gets through waivers. But but right now we just want we think there's a couple of these guys that bring extra pace to our game, and that and the coupled with between Granlin, Archibald, uh, JJ, and Cave, that are penalty killers. That there's there just wasn't a spot for him here, and. Russell has played very well in camp. Uh, uh, Patrick Russell has played very well in camp. He needs waivers to go down, and I don't want to risk that chance of losing him right now. So Ken Holland came in and said he wanted to work on the team's speed, wanted to improve the penalty killing, and basically what they're hearing there from uh, what you're hearing there from Coach Dave Tippett is that Gagne not really able to help either, though as Tippett said. He expects him, if he clears waivers, to play some games for the Oilers this season. Gagne, an interesting player to me. I, I think we know what, it, what he is at this point in his career. He's not going to be a star. Pretty smart player. Could play with top six players. Could probably take on a little bit of bottom six responsibilities if needed. But at the moment, the Oilers deciding he's not fitting in. And two players who will be around. And you got to remember, Gagne was, was here last year. He wasn't brought in. Uh, by Ken Hall, and he was traded for by by Keith Gretzky, actually, after Peter Shirley was fired. So Gagne waived, and players that are sticking around, both of the European forwards are going to be here, who played in Europe all of their careers before this year. Joachim Nygaard from Sweden, very fast player. He's still here. That doesn't surprise me. I thought maybe Swiss center Gaetan Haas would go to the farm, but no, he's sticking around. You know, it's funny, I just finished a, a meeting with Haas and just talking to him. And he's a 27-year-old guy that's played a lot of big international games. I mean, he's been around around the game in Europe for a long time. We were laughing. He said, my first game, I was. he said he was just looking, stuff was going by and people are flying around. He goes, I felt like I'd never played before. That was his first game. And if you saw the last game he played in Calgary, it was a good game. He's, I mean, he's a smart guy. He's slowly kind of getting it, and it's harder for a centerman. You've got to try to figure out everything. Imagine you're coming to a different culture. You're coming to a different style of play. You're coming to different coaching, and you're coming to the best league in the world. Right? Those are all hurdles that these guys have to overcome, and Haas has, has slowly gone through it, and Nygaard is, uh, I think he's... He's, he's been the epitome of getting better every day. You see his speed and tenacity on the puck, and his hands are, uh, I think there's lots of upside, lots of upside in him. So it's a, it's a challenge. Um, young Pearson got hurt a little bit, so he's slowed down a little bit. But it's, these guys are good players, they're smart players, they're not kids anymore, but they're coming, and it's still a challenge for them to get up to speed here. Okay, two sides to this. First of all, good for them for for learning, for improving to the extent in a couple of weeks that their coach can see it, that he can tangibly see them getting better. Uh, The downside to this is, man, the games count on Wednesday. Like, learning on the job is is not what you want to hear going into the regular season. And, again, Nygaard, I think he did enough. Haas, uh, I don't know if he did. And, And you know what? Maybe if Riley Shane is healthy, would have been healthy. He's not. We'll get to that storyline in a second. Maybe there would have been a different decision here. So good for those players to make it. 
Uh, but is this a testament to how good they are or to really how the, still, the Oilers are still lacking some depth up front? You can let me know what you think as we move along tonight by texting 63630. Our open line is 780-496-0063. As I'm sure you have some thoughts on the Oilers roster and what you like or don't like about it as we approach the start of the regular season. Here's how the Oilers lined up today at practice. And again, we talk in practice... Could be totally different tomorrow. But the big three were all centering their own lines. McDavid between Yurko and Neal. Dreisaitl between Nygaard and Cassian. Nugent Hopkins with Granlund and Chason. And Colby Cave on the fourth line with Kara and Archibald. So you had Haas and Patrick Russell as the extras. Clefbaum with Bear on defense, Nurse with Larson, Chris Russell with Matt Benning. No surprise there. If it, and again, we're just looking for things at practice here. If it means anything, Mike Smith was in the net, commonly referred to as the starter's net at Rogers Place. Often the starting goalie or the guy who will start the next game goes into the net that the home team defends in periods one and three. Smith has been in that net uh, for most of training camp when he and Koskinen have been on the ice at the same time. So take that for what it's worth. I would start Smith on Wednesday, and I think that Dave Tippett is going to start Smith on Wednesday. He was asked about his starting goaltender today. He refused to answer, but I think it's going to be Mike Smith. So anyway, that's that's how it looked up front. So you had McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins on center uh, on different lines, but with Riley Sheehan injured, Tippett didn't really commit to that being the alignment on Wednesday. Sheehan is going to miss uh, probably seven to ten days. He's in concussion protocol, and that uh, we found that out yesterday afternoon. That sparked uh, a little bit of a little bit of uh, where we were today. I wanted to look at a couple guys and see how they fit today, and tomorrow we'll see where we are. All right, so, uh, I mean, we could see Leon and Connor back on the same line. Tomorrow's lines, are th- I think, are going to mean a little bit more because then you have the morning skate on Wednesday and the game Wednesday night. But Shane is going to be out a while, like he said, 7 to 10 days. And I think this could be a costly loss for the Oilers, even if he only has to miss, you know, whatever, I guess three to five games if it's seven to ten games. Hopefully it doesn't drag out any longer. But what what's a huge, huge negative for the Oilers over the last couple seasons? The penalty kill. 30th in the league last year. Remember the year before, two-thirds into the season, they were 54% on home ice. They actually did better in the final third of 17-18. Riley Shane and Josh Archibald, I thought, looked pretty good together on the PK during the preseason. I think we made some steps in camp that are that to put things in place to help our goals against. I think our penalty killing was was very good, very good, and some of that is the personnel we brought in. I like the scheme, but I think the personnel we brought in to penalty kill. I have a mindset that they're penalty killers. They're not just other guys doing it because there's nobody else here to do it. They're penalty killers. I think that mindset is very important, and I think Archibald has it. I think Shane has it. I think Granlin has it to an extent. I, I think you have the two European players we are talking about who are going to do whatever they can to try to make the National Hockey League. So I, that's why I think Shane is a, is, is a loss here. I mean, look, he's not a superstar. He's not going to score a ton. He got a funny goal in the preseason that went in off his head. 
But I, I think having players who embrace that mentality and know that's and that's why they're on the team. Because I think in in the past years here, the Oilers have taken players who you know maybe thought that they were there to provide offense or do other things and said, well, you got to kill penalties as well. These players coming in are under no illusions that they're going to get time higher in the lineup or they're there to score a ton of goals. They know they got to go out there and do the dirty work. And what did Shane say when I interviewed him the day he signed? He said, I know I got to win faceoffs. I know I got to block shots. And I know it's not glamorous work, but I know my teammates appreciate it if I do it well. And I, I really think that means a lot for a player to know his role and embrace his role and know uh, uh, when he goes into a game, okay, I have to do this. Obviously, I would I would like to do more if I can, but I need to do this. That's what my teammates are relying on me to do, and that's how I'm going to get their trust. And I, I you know, I don't think Riley Shane or Josh Archibald are coming and thinking, oh man, maybe if I do this well, then I'm going to get promoted in the lineup, and then I'm going to get uh, 18 minutes instead of 15 or what? No, no. I think they know exactly what they're supposed to do. And they're embracing that. And I do think that's important. And that's why Shane's absence worries me because he's also a good face-off guy and it could jumble up what Tippett was thinking he was going to do with the centers rolling into the season. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your Furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. As I mentioned, we welcome your feedback. I'll catch up on some text to 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. You'll also hear from Josh Archibald, all coming up on Inside Sports. home for all the news and expert opinion inside sports with reed wilkins on 630 chat monday night football is underway five minutes into the first quarter no score Bengals and steelers both teams are zero and three the steelers have had 15 straight seasons finishing 500 or better so that is already in jeopardy team harlem won the men's fiba 3x3 challenger event at west edmonton mall over the weekend Team Edmonton finished third in the 16-team field. Not a bad showing for Steve, Sir, Jordan Baker, and company. Kellen Kennedy is our studio operator today. Kellen, may I wish you a belated happy birthday? Thank you very much. He could have said no. You may not. No birthday wishes. When was your actual birthday? I'm a nice guy. You are a nice guy. When was your actual birthday? Yesterday. Oh, yesterday. So it was yesterday. Yeah. May I may I ask how many candles were on? Let me guess. I should know. Mm. Are you now thirty three? Uh, go one up from there. You're now thirty four. Thirty four. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. You're thirty one years away from retirement. Or is it now sixty seven? Sixty seven now retirement age. I got one of the little things <laughs> got, on the wall. He's, the got, he's got a little notch on yeah, the wall. Yeah, a little notch on the wall <laughs> each time. Yep. Another day closer. <laughs> uh, whether you are retired or not. You could text 630-630. I'm just tired, that's all. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, tell you what, there's our off-topic topic today. The best part about retirement, if you're retired, you can text 630-630. Uh, this texter uh, simply says, where's Jim's text? Re- or Jim says, Reed, I personally think Haas will be fine. I, Jim, I hope you're right. Jared says, I thought Yurcho and Neil have good chemistry so far. I like Nugent Hopkins as their center. He deserves it. McDavid should be with Dreisaitl and Cassian. This texture says, for the first time in forever, the best players in training camp 
were picked to play on opening day. The Europeans have speed, some talent, and definitely a work ethic. What is not to like? Yeah, you know, I I, I should apologize if I came across as, as like putting down those players. I guess my concern would just simply be experience, just just learning on the fly. Like you're not getting thrown into the American Hockey League or the ECHL where you're kind of there to develop. Like you're getting thrown into the NHL in a Canadian market where the fans have been inflicted almost nothing but misery for the last 15 years or so, a little less, I guess. And, and you know, you're, you're and, and a team that is desperate. I mean, Ken Holland has said it, like, we got to start well. we got to get a good start. And, and, and I'm not saying that it would be the, those guys' fault because, you know, I think we look at some things that have happened over the last couple of years with how the roster is looking. But that, that's, that's why it's tough. Like, you're, you're throwing these guys into a situation that is a high-pressure situation, and you're saying, okay, learn on the fly. Like, be the appropriate support players for these, for these three stars who are really good. That, that's I just I I think they're trying to meet the challenge you know good for them for what they've done so far but that's a tough tense situation to to go into I have no doubt that their effort level is going to be there no doubt at all but I, I always remember what Alex Chase on said last year a few times throughout the year when he that was his first year with the Oilers and he said it's it's one league in September it's a different league in December it's a different league in March and then it's a different league once the playoffs start like it just keeps ramping up it keeps ramping up and if you're trying to learn on the fly in a league where everybody else has already learned what you're trying to learn and and then increase your output and your performance that's that's going to be pretty tough so you know, I, I I agree with those of you who are saying good for those players, good for those players. I'm just saying that is a that is a tough situation to jump into. Now they are older, and that's always an advantage. They do have experience. They're not 2021. They're in their mid 20s. They've been pros in other leagues, so that is an advantage. And they do appear to be intelligent players, so that's an advantage as well. I, I'm just I guess I'm just saying I still look at the Oilers roster, and this is a bigger bigger discussion bigger picture discussion that we'll have tonight and, and tomorrow as we set up the season that's why I still have a lot of question marks about the Oilers roster like I don't I don't really question anybody's effort or or commitment I just question if they're slotted in the right spot and if they're going to be able to do what they're being asked to do or or, or if they're what you know if they can do what it's hoped that they can do Don says, hey, Reed, where do you see an upgrade with the Oilers from last year? Are the goalies good enough? Not sure about the goalies, Don. Uh, well, I think I'm going to – my my upgrade would be what I was talking about in the previous segment. I actually think they, they've improved the penalty killing. But I think Shane being out to start the season will hurt it. But I, but I actually think they have better – more committed penalty killers than than they've had in previous years. You'll hear from one of them, Josh uh, Josh Archibald, when we get back. Blake Dermott's going to break down the Eskimos' win. All ahead on Inside Sports. Hi, this is Armando Sewell of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Eskimos staying out east after beating Ottawa 21-16 on Saturday with a play at Hamilton on Friday. Of course, we will have that one for you on 6.30. Chad, a little more on the Eskimos with Blake Dermott later on in this half hour. And the Eskimos Coaches Show, it's here every Monday, 7.30. Morley Scott with Jason Moss. 
Bengals up uh, 3 nothing on the Steelers now about halfway through the first quarter. Some other football to tell you about. The Edmonton Wildcats lost 38-10 to the Saskatoon Hilltops over the weekend in Prairie Junior Football Conference action. The Edmonton Huskies beat Winnipeg 38-20. Huskies play the Wildcats Saturday at 7 at Clark. Huskies now 4-2. and Wildcats are 2-4. and And you probably heard us talking about it on Friday. The Golden Bears football team winning at UBC. Or pardon me, their game was Saturday, the Golden Bears football team is 4-1. and one. They will visit the 4-1 and one Calgary Dinos on Saturday in a first-place showdown. That is pretty cool. This texture says, I wouldn't have said this at the beginning of training camp, but my biggest concern, Nurse and Larson. Uh, they made some pretty big mistakes, uh, I will say to this texture during training camp. Uh, absolutely. Larson had that really bad giveaway. Uh, Nurse had one in uh in calgary so uh, i thought you know i thought to be fair i thought they had some good moments but they definitely made some pretty big gaffes and they can't have that once the games start to count aaron says reed i think both nygaard and haas will do well in the nhl it's about time we had some baptism by fire and get everybody lit up it is going to be a good year that is a text coming in from aaron to 6 30 6 30 all right oh the oil kings lost yesterday 5-2 to lethbridge they're 2-1-1 one one on the season they'll play at swift current on wednesday wanted to get that in there as well all right i was talking about josh archibald i think he has some uh, potential to make a pretty good impact for the oilers and we did see in the preseason he was forming a pretty good pk duo with the now injured Riley Shane. From the very first day in camp when we started working on PPPK, uh, they threw us together, kind of wanted to see where we were at. And, uh, you know, we just built chemistry. We talked a lot when we were, you know, watching the plays and we weren't going. And then we just worked together and talked on the ice when we were going in practice. And then, you know, to be able to get those reps in the game, I think game-like situations, and it just pushed us even more. And we gained that chemistry and we can kind of read off each other and we know each other a little bit more. So I think that helps out a lot too. Even in the time, you know, you've been a pro, has there been a change to penalty killing? I mean, there used to be, like, the traditional box, right? And now sometimes there might be a little bit more of that eye up top or one of the forwards follows the, the puck across. Like, is that is that the biggest change, or what do you what do you think it would be? I think uh, just, yeah, just the structure of the game, you know. Uh, not everybody plays that tight box anymore. You know, you kind of roll around. You try to get them to make mistakes and make them cough the puck up. And, you know, it's a little bit more aggressive than it used to be too. So I think, uh, you know, faster penalty kills, it kind of plays to more, more into. And I think that helps us out a little bit. We both got some speed and everybody on our PK does. So to be able to disrupt plays and disrupt passes and stuff, it helps out a lot. All right. You were on an Arizona team last year where there wasn't, a star goal scorer, but I think it was 11 guys had 10 or more. You were one of them. Do you, have you, do you come into the season and set a goal, total goal for yourself, or do you just think you got to get as many as possible? Yeah, you always want to get as many as possible. There's always goals that you set, uh, you know, realistic goals, but, uh, you know, to hit the double digits and, you know, keep producing and keep going uh, upwards is obviously a goal of mine, but, you know, just be able to help the team in any way possible, you know, whether that is killing penalties or that's chipping in as much as I can offensively, you know, I'll do everything I can and do everything asked of me. And from a few games ago, have you ever had a rebound going off a line mate's helmet before? Uh, I can't say I've ever had an assist like that or seen that before. So luckily it hit his helmet, not his face. So we were were good there. All right, a little bit from Josh Archibald, some good thoughts on the PK. And he said, yeah, him and him and Shane were working well together. Shane out seven to ten days in concussion protocol as per head coach Dave Tippett earlier today. Of course, you can always get more on 630ched.com. And the, uh, well, actually, I just had a friend text me about it. 
the uh, news that a lot of people talking about, Sam Gagne placed on waivers for the purpose of assignment. So if he's not claimed, he's likely going to be going to the Bakersfield Condors. Goaltending. Somebody asked me about the goaltending in, in the first half hour. This, despite everything else that we're talking about, somebody brought up Nurse and Larson. I'm bringing up some of the forwards, experience level, lack of previous goal scoring. My number one question is still goaltending because it, it is the most important position on the ice and it, it can have the biggest impact on the game. Who is Miko Koskinen going to be this year? At times last year, he looked like a pretty decent goaltender. And at times last year, he looked like a pretty poor goaltender. Mike Smith has been a good goalie most of his career. He was a good goalie after February 1st for Calgary last season. He wasn't that great of a goalie before that. So who are we getting? They're, they're making no, like there's, there's no that they're competing for a true number one job to play 55, 60, 65 games. Tippett has said it numerous times. Ideally, it's a pretty even split. And, and they get an opportunity to rest. I think Mike Smith is going to start on Wednesday. And that's not what I would do. Well, I would do that, but that's not purely what I would do. I think that's what Dave Tippett is going to do. He's going to go with the player he's more comfortable with. And Smith has the wild card of being able to move the puck very well. And by the way, they were working on that at practice today. The, they, the Oilers had a coach dumping the puck in. Smith was fielding it, sometimes right by the crease, sometimes behind the net. And he was talking to his defenseman a little bit, saying, okay, th- I'm going to angle my shoulders this way. I'll stand like this. This will be my posture. That's how you know where I'm going to put the puck. If The defensemen aren't going to go back and retrieve the puck. Smith is going to do it behind the net. There was even a dump in today that was going on goal, not at a 100 miles an hour, but Smith actually got moved his feet out to the goal post and held the his goalie stick like a skater would hold it and stopped the puck about a foot in front of the goal line and, and then passed it from there. That's how confident he is handling the puck. And I think that's a, another little reason why he's going to start on Wednesday night against Vancouver. But, of course, Dave Tippett was asked about the goaltenders today. He would not commit to a starter for Wednesday, but he did say this. I thought they both played well. They both... They both played well enough to give me what I need. I think they're both going to play this year a lot anyway, so it's whichever one starts is the other one shouldn't worry about getting in the net at some point. I've always had the thoughts that uh, the guy gets a shutout, he goes back in, right? So there's one scenario. But you play three and four, and one guy's dead tired after getting a shutout, why would you throw him back in, right? So it's a, you, you got to... It's like anything. It's like players, they play out. How much time a certain player gets, you can't drain them either. So we have the luxury, I think, of, of two good guys that can play a lot. And we're not going to put anybody in just because he had a good game last game and he might be tired. We're going to, we're going to read and react. I'll rely on the goaltender coach to tell me how they feel. And I feel like we should, we've got a chance of getting quality goaltending every night. What I'm hearing there is that fatigue or lack of it will trump performance when it comes to the Oilers picking their goaltender for their next game. And you heard him say it. Usually Dave Tippett operates, if you get a shutout, you play the next game. But he said, wait a minute, if if you played three of the previous four, even if you got a shutout, I, I want you to get a break. 
So they're really going to try to keep both guys fresh. I will say this for Koskinen, and, and look, obviously, you've, you've heard me talk about Koskinen. I, I'm not exactly thinking this guy can light the world on fire, but I will grant him this. When he got you know, a little bit of a break or got a game or two off or, or got to have a solid practice in between starts, he was better. He was better. And his, his high end last year was pretty high. I don't expect him to be at that all the time, but I, I've used this stat a lot. His first seven games at Rogers Place, he was 7-0 and with three shutouts. Now, those were spread out almost over a month, but still, we've seen him play pretty well. As Tippett has said numerous times during training camp, though, this is ideal whiteboard scenario, right? This is what you scribble up on the whiteboard and say, great, we could start. Koskinen there, Smith there, there's a chance one guy can rest, there's a chance another guy can rest, so I wonder what we're going to hear. We're back-to-back, well, we'll split them. That's That all is fine and dandy right now. And Jared writes in and says, Reed, if the goaltending stumbles early, how long does Holland wait to pull the trigger on a deal? Jared, that's a tough one. I mean, if the goal if the goaltending is, is costing Oilers games 25, 30 games into the season, you'd have to think he would look around. But again, who's out there goalie-wise? I mean, most teams are probably looking at their backups and saying, all right, we, we really don't want to have to use this guy that much. I mean, there's a reason they're backups, right? They, they have more flaws than the starter. So I, I, I guess the, the, the tough thing there, Jared, is who's the goalie, where's the goalie you potentially go out and get if you really need one. But if we're, 20, if, if we're 25, 30 games into the season and goaltending is the Oilers' biggest problem, it's going to be a long year because you've already probably lost so many points in the standings, you're probably playing catch-up as it is. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down-south comfort food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern classics, spun with a modern twist, online, northchickenyeg.com. Blake Dermott with some football thoughts when we return. Hi, this is Trevor Harris of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, Trevor Harris on the six-game injured list. His backup, Logan Kilgore, able to lead the Eskimos to victory on Saturday in Ottawa over the Red Blacks. And, of course, our Eskimos analyst, Blake Dermott, was keeping a close eye on that game. Blake, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks a lot. Always great to have you on the show. The Eskimos staying out east this week as they get ready for Hamilton on Friday, coming over a 21 21- 16 win over the Ottawa Red Blacks who are, are really, really struggling, really struggling to score points. But I'll, I'll tell you what, Blake, given what the Eskimos have been through, I'm not going to argue about the quality of the opponent or what the score should have been or anything. They won. They, they needed to get back in the in the W column, and they did. Yeah, you know, you can you can, uh, uh, you can can analyze uh, uh, wins till, till they sound like losses, and uh, I think this one... Uh, is one that should just be put away in the vault and, and forgot about and move on. I mean, they, they had to go into Ottawa and play a team that's desperate. Uh, sometimes that's difficult because sooner or later losing streaks end and you never want to be uh, the team that, that it ends with. Um, and the uh, the other thing is that they're playing time zone difference. It was huge time zone difference. So so it, it throws off your schedule. And for the Eskimos to, to play and, and you know against a team that, that everybody said they should beat while they beat them, and uh, and I thought that that was uh, uh, you know uh, not a great game, but a game they certainly needed. And now they get to Hamilton this week, and uh, you know they they played a half against Hamilton last week and almost beat them. 
uh, or two weeks ago and almost beat them. And uh, I think that going into this game, there's an awful lot of guys that are uh, uh, remembering that game. I wonder what your assessment is of Logan Kilgore. Tough situation. Backups had to go in and play for Harris, but a lot of teams have had their backup go in this season, and a lot of them have played really well. I'll say this about Kilgore, Blake, just from me watching him. He he doesn't seem to get discouraged. I mean, sometimes you see a backup go in there and you see the, the shoulders slump or they or they stop doing what they're supposed to do and just take the safe out all the time. I will give Kilgore credit for this. If, if he makes a bad play or two, he, he's coming right back. He doesn't seem to get discouraged. So I, I like that. He stuck with it. And that great long pass to DeVaris Daniels set up the winning touchdown. Uh, you know, that one, the thing that I was going to say about him is that, yeah, he, he's got a, a, a very even-keeled demeanor. Um, and he reminds me, and, and I mean, obviously not from a playing and anything like that, but I mean, because this is in recent memory here with the Eskimos, but he reminds me a little bit of Ricky Ray with his demeanor. It doesn't, like as you said, he doesn't seem to let things get down. And when you're looking at Logan Kilgore, like a lot of guys that are backups that come in, they're so fired up and so excited and they get in there and then and then if things don't go right, then they, they sort of hit a wall. He has this very even keel demeanor where he can get in there and you don't know if he's just throwing a pick or, or he's just throwing a touchdown pass. He's... He's, uh, I think that's really helpful and calming in, in, in the huddle and, and on the sidelines. Um, and he's got, uh, obviously, he's not young, but he's got a, a long ways to go with respect to being a, a, a top-level quarterback in this league. But in the two starts that he's had, he has not hurt the Eskimos. The Eskimos have hurt themselves in other areas. Like uh, the first game against Hamilton uh, two weeks ago, defense giving up three touchdowns in the first quarter. You know, um, but he he hasn't hurt the Eskimos. He's he's played within himself, and uh, and the one I it seems to me that he takes a little bit of time to figure things out because even in that game against Hamilton, it wasn't until the last minute of the first half where he we started to get rolling, and then in the second half he figured it out and they they got moving uh, quite well. And and the game against Ottawa. Similar, very slow starting, kind of feeling things out, getting a gauge of where things, where uh, his level of play had to be at, and, and trying to figure out what the other team was doing. And then the Eskimos just put a little bit of a, you know, there's a spurt there where they they took a big lead. Now in the fourth quarter, they gave up 13 points against Ottawa, but nonetheless, the Eskimos were able to slowly get rolling. And once they got rolling, they had they had done enough to be able to secure the victory. So the Eskimos' win puts them on the verge of clinching a playoff spot, Blake. Their magic number to finish ahead of BC is one. Their magic number to finish ahead of Ottawa is one. They almost were assured of finishing ahead of BC on, uh, well, later Saturday night. Uh, Montreal's on inside the two, I guess. I think they were just outside the one. Third down, I just went back and looked at the the game log here. Just over a minute to go. And uh, down two, they went for the touchdown. I mean, maybe they're thinking if they only kick the field goal, you give give Riley a whole bunch of time to move the ball 40 yards and BC goes back ahead. But a curious decision and uh, keeping BC alive at least for the moment. Yeah, no, I, I was uh, I was very surprised that they decided to do that, you know, because it was a long one. It was uh, one and a half yards, and they and the play they had called was a quarterback sneak, and they weren't going to score in that sneak anyways if it wasn't for the fumble. But uh, yeah, I think 
I think if Kohari Jones uh, had an opportunity to, to rethink or recall that, I think that he probably would have kicked the field goal because I don't think BC's offense uh, with with Mike Riley, I mean, Mike Riley's got this record of so many come-from-behind wins and marching down the field for a field goal and all of those kinds of things. I don't think he, he's got that same... Uh, I mean, that record's great when he was playing with a really good team, but he's not playing with a good team. And, and uh, I would have been counting on my defense to play, to step it up and get the ball back, or at least uh, make sure that BC didn't score. But, yeah, that, that was too bad because the Eskimos could have secured the spot in the West, which is going to happen anyways. It's just a matter of time. Um, and uh, it's certainly uh, what, what's going on with, with Ottawa. One would think that uh, the Ottawa's got to run the table and Edmonton's got to lose every game. Um, I don't think that's going to happen either, so that would have pretty much secured Edmonton in the playoffs. I want to ask you about some news from the NFL, Blake. Vontae Burfecht has been suspended for the remainder of the season. A uh, hit to the head of Colts tight end Jack Doyle. Burfecht really led with his head. I I, I don't think anybody in this modern day would argue that it's a, a legal hit in, in any way. But I'm wondering what you think about the severity of the, the suspension. I mean, you don't see a lot of... Well, you don't see a lot of suspensions in football in general, but a season-long ban, that's obviously uh, the exclamation point for this one. Well, this is a guy who's had four suspensions now, three of them for on-field activities, one for a PED. Um, so he's, this is a, a, a repeat offender. This is a, uh, a guy that has not learned a lesson and uh, has not moved on from where football was 20 years ago or even further back than that. And his his play and those types of plays have absolute zero uh, zero life in modern day sports, and uh, and and I'm I'm glad that he's gone. I think that's and they're going to appeal it, and of course it'll run its course and they'll do all of those things. But but this is the perfect example of a guy that has not learned, will not learn, does not want to learn that uh, this is what you got to be able to do to stay to play professional sports. And I'm not sure what his what his this penalty uh, works out to, but I think it's somewhere like north of $4 million this is going to cost him. And, uh, you know, it's it, it, as I said, he, he has been fine before, hasn't learned. There's I have no time for a player like that. Well, and, and watching the hit, it didn't look to me... I mean, sometimes I feel for a defensive player, Blake, because they look like they're trying to make a clean tackle and... You know, the, the, the offensive player lowers his head at the same time the defensive player lowers his head. And, and I know it's up to the defensive player to land a clean hit, but sometimes I think to myself, oh, he's penalized, but I don't think that's what he meant. I, I watched that hit, and I don't know how he could even justify that he was trying to make a, a legal tackle. I mean, he's just he's just turning himself into a missile in my mind. Well, you know, you're right. There, there, are, there are instances where you know a guy's coming across across the middle. You're going for the ball. You're, you're uh, a receiver is trying to make a play. The defensive back is trying to make a play, and there's contact with the head and severe contact with the head. Um, and both guys are jumping. It's difficult to change your course uh, path when you're in the air when you have no uh, stability on the ground. But perfect was. Uh, the the defender was defenseless. He was on his knees. You know, it wasn't like he was even on his feet. And uh, he just he it was a it was an absolute target to his head. There was no other way to uh, to, to to defend him. There's no way to defend him on this thing. And and this has got to get out of the game. It's got to get out of all sports. Those kinds of those kinds of attacks on a defenseless player. All right, Blake. Always great to have you on the show. I know we'll be watching the Eskimos and the Tiger Cats on Friday night, man. Appreciate your time. Oh, thanks a lot, Reed. 
Blake Dermott, our Eskimos analyst here on 6.30 Chet. And, of course, the game between the Eskimos and the Tiger Cats. 3.30 for the countdown to kick off on Friday. The game will start at 5. All right, Eskimos Coaches Show with Moss and Morley coming up at 7.30 tonight. We have a lot more to get to. Ian Herber is head coach of the U of A Golden Bears hockey team. We'll check in. They are off to a 2-0 start and a bit of a surprise performance in net for them on Saturday. You'll get that story. And uh, one of these uh, long, long-distance endurance races goes this weekend in northeastern Alberta. We'll have the lowdown on that. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.